Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 11, I think. Yeah. For the early church, this was a part of the scripture coming up in verses 6 through 11 that many thought were a song that was sung. Um, it doesn't work out that way in English, but uh, perhaps in, in Greek or Aramaic it sounded much better. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Pray with me. May this word not be only on our lips, but written on our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The ancient worldview of power, authority, and leadership before Paul looks something like this. Alexander the Great, who at 20 years old, uh, proceeded to implement his plan to conquer the known world. That's pretty bold for a 20-year-old. And by his death at age 33, by military might and financial power, he had succeeded to the point that he was to be regarded as divine. He suggested himself a god, lowercase. Alexander the Great would tell you after all of his accomplishments, I am a god. In Paul's time, it was Caesar Augustus, Roman emperor. He had ushered in what, what many would call the Pax Romana or the Roman peace that only extended to the borders, and after that it was chaos. But it was accomplished through military might and financial and political power. It wasn't long before his grateful subjects came to regard him, too, as being divine. It's when the Caesars began to be uh, part of a cult that they were worshipped as divine beings. It was military might and organizational skills that kept the empire together until it didn't. This was what 
the heroic leadership look like in the world of Paul? Military might, financial and political power. The life of Jesus is a counter story, a counter narrative to the way things were in Paul's time. It challenged the worldview and the worldly assumptions of true leadership. Remember, it's about leadership. Caesar led with a sword and with riches and political backing. Paul's message is a radical departure. Instead, verse 7 says, instead, Jesus did what? Emptied himself and received the form of a slave, not a general, not an emperor, not a Caesar. The form of a slave being born in the likeness of people like you and me. Do you hear what Paul is saying? Can you get your head around this remarkable acknowledgement and declaration? Jesus didn't give up being God among us. And it's not a a philosophical point. When Jesus gave up and emptied himself, he was essentially the character of God in our midst. Paul is saying that Jesus is the embodiment, the very nature of God in human form. God is emptying out God's self and centering his life on us. Ours is a self-emptying God. Hear that again. Ours is a self-emptying God. Jesus gave up every right to be with us, one of us, exactly like us. Think how consistent this is with terms like Emmanuel. And we'll be saying it soon at at Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. Or the witness from John 1.18. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The rulers of the ancient world asserted their rights, their power, their might, the God of the universe, let go of it. How different God is from us. The mind of Christ is always choosing others over his own convenience and doesn't assert his rights. How many times in the last week have you asserted your rights 
I'm owed this. I deserve this. I worked for this. I get to do this. I deserve to go out to eat tonight. After all, I didn't do it last night. How often have you asserted your rights? God isn't like that. Leadership for Christians is following not only the example of Jesus, but to orient our thinking to his thinking. Romans 12, you know it well. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let me just talk, uh, most of you in here have either been elders or deacons or are, or you're on a PNC or you were on a PNC in the past. You've all served in so many different ways in this church. And I speak to everyone who's been in leadership. Think about that verse. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds so that you may what? discern what is the will of God. We're about to receive new elders and deacons uh, coming up. You'll have a chance to vote on them. And uh, the PNC is charged with one, or the nominating committee of our church is charged with one thing. Finding people and inviting people who will not assert their privilege or their rights, who will not do that on behalf of others, but will be people who will have their minds renewed so they can discern what is the will of God for this congregation. That's the job of elders in our church, to discern what is the will of God. That's the job of the PNC, the Pastor Nominating Committee, to discern what is the will of God as we move forward to hire a new pastor. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Not our preferences or any one group of people's idea of what it should be like, but what is God up to and what is God going to do? The key characteristic of Jesus in this passage is humility. It's the opposite of pride. One of the things that that uh, that the seven deadly sins, pride is chief among them in the ancient world. It asserts, it puffs up one's own perspective and importance. I know that one the best. It puts me and myself at the center of things. C.S. Lewis would say that pride is at the root of all sin, of all the things we do that take us away from God and each other and ourselves. C.S. Lewis would say this, to even get near to, to humility, even for a moment, is like a drink of cold water to a man in the desert. Humility is not only saying I could be wrong, but it's meaning it. I had uh, a great one of our great uh, members of the church I served in the past um, would look at me and just say, he'd make a statement, and then he'd say, you know, but I could be wrong. 
and he meant it. It was his way of keeping his perspective and his position humble. Most of the time, if we say we could be wrong, we just don't mean it. We really believe we're right. And that's just part of the challenge, isn't it? We were at a, 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 a play last night of, of the screw tape letters by Lewis. And um, an interesting one-act play where they uh, combined some 24 of the 33 letters that Lewis had written. And uh, they performed it. It was, it was quite engaging. And uh, having been a bit of a, a C.S. Lewis buff and knowing many of the letters really well, it was fascinating to see how they put everything together. They had to dumb it down for the audience. So one of the things they did, they pulled out all the literary references from Lewis's letters, which there are many in those things, and replaced it with things like Madonna. Um, so they'd have some cultural relevance, I think. And people would get it. They weren't quoting people like Coleridge or Aristotle or Plato, which Lewis often did. And so it, it was fascinating. But one of the things that they, one of the letters in Screwtape, Screwtape, this tempter is talking to an understudy, Wormwood. And he's, he's talking about humility. And he says, listen, even on his knees at present, your patient, this human being who's been converted, knows nothing about humility. He thinks he's being humble just by the fact that he's down on his knees praying. But he's so far from it, he can't tell it. Keep him in that state and we'll do well. Lewis again, not only could I be wrong, but I mean it. Paul says to the Philippians, they are to perform the extraordinary feat of looking at one another with the assumption that everybody else and their needs are important, are more important than they, are, than they themselves are for their rights, perspectives, opinions, etc. We're to look at everyone, the Philippians were to look at everyone as being better than themselves and that their concerns were a higher priority than my own concerns for myself. Show me a church that's done that and I'll show you a successful church. I haven't met very many. There's a cost to having the mind of Christ. Self-emptying. It will feel painful at times, maybe even wrong. But it will be that drink of cold water from your soul, for your soul in a parched landscape. If we can truly be humble, not my will but thine be done, it is that drink of cold water. And he writes as this, isn't it about time that we did what the New Testament writers urged us to do? And what this wonderful passage poetically invites us to do. To start from Jesus himself and rethink our whole picture of God and the world around him. It's the only way that the rest of what Jesus demands us to be is possible. Isn't it time that we behave like the New Testament writers encourage us to behave.
turn the other cheek, forgive 70 times 7, love your enemy, bless those who persecute you, give up everything you have and follow Jesus. Isn't it time we started to do some of that? Adopt a humble posture towards others and we might see the fruit of it. Starting with I could be wrong is helpful. You know, I've shared with you the story of my, my two friends at a uh, church I served that, that uh, had their opposite ends of politics, their opposite ends theologically in many ways, but they worked together as part of the property guys that came and did, short, did fixer up things on the property every week. And, uh, and Gary was on one side and Bob was on the other side and it was during the 20, uh, 2016 election and uh, they couldn't be further apart politically. And they got together every week and they talked politics while they were working. And we finally just said, how did you do it? And Gary said, listen, we, you know, it's like playing tug of war. And we decided to lay down the rope. Stop trying to pull the other person over to what I think is right and just draw, each, draw ourselves close to each other, not pull each other apart. If we started there, it would be an improvement. Working with, not against. Moving towards, not trying to pull you to my side. Self-emptying. What do you need to let go of? What attitude, what prejudice, what hurt do you still hold on to that you've got to release so God can fill you up with something else? What old map are you following that is no good? What do you try, keep trying to get back to rather than what are you trying to get to in the future? You can't be filled up with something new and better if you're clinging to old ways. You can't ask for God to fill you up at your hands if they're already full of old things that you won't let go of. Everything from attitudes to program and everything in between. As long as your hands are full, you can't receive something new. And God so desperately wants to give you something new. It's a little bit like my garage. I have all kinds of ideas of what things I'd like to put in there. But until I get rid of something, there's not room. How messy can our hearts be and our lives be when we need to let go and let God. It feels like a trite little saying that 12-step programs use, but it's true. Look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was before him took up his cross. May we follow in his steps. Pray with me.